sound. That'll work. Hey, good morning, Transit family. How's everyone doing? Good. How about, uh, how about the worship team this morning leading us in? Praise the Jesus. That was so good, um, as usual. So uh, today, we are, guess where we're at today? Take a wild guess. Ephesians. That's right. We're in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. So open up your Bibles. Uh, turn there. As you're turning there, quick commercial break. Uh, one, if you are an official member of the Transit Church, we have a rebrand summit meeting where, um, uh, Lord willing, come January 1st, we're going to rename the church. And so we're gathering all of uh, church members who want to help us collaborate on the mission, vision, values of the direction uh, and the name that the Lord has given us, and then also contend in prayer over everything involving uh, the rebrand. So that'll be five to seven. Uh, contact Jake. Uh, their child care is provided um, and light snacks. It won't be dinner, but child care, all right? If you have to choose one or the other, boom, bring your own dinner. We got child care covered. And then next Sunday during the service, we are celebrating baptisms, and I'm really excited about that. So if you have made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ but haven't gotten baptized yet, contact me, contact Jake, and we'd love to get you all the information involved with uh, doing that next uh, Sunday. So it's going to be a great service Sunday. Baptisms are always uh, dear to my heart and... Uh, uh, one person in my family might be getting baptized this uh, Sunday, so I'm going to be a weeping mess. All right, so our context of where we're at in Ephesians, where we've been at, is the old self versus the new self. Paul's exhortation to the new believers in and around Ephesus is, hey, put off your old way of thinking, your old way of living, and now that you've been filled with the Spirit, you've been forgiven of your sins, you've been restored back to newness of life in Christ Jesus, now put on the new self, your new way of thinking and your new way of living. And so today is the last time we're going to see um, the, the don't do this, do this formula that we've been looking at uh, for the past few weeks. And then for the next three weeks, guess what we're going to be talking about? Submission. Yeah. Submitting to one another. So buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a wild ride. All right. The main exhortation of our text today, and then we'll pray and dive in, is this, is don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So let's go to God's Word. Let's read this, pray, and then we'll dive on in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are here in our midst. We thank you that you invite us to come close we thank you that you invite us to come to you just as we are, with our anxiety, our concerns, our regrets, because you have so much more that you want to give us. Jesus, thank you that you came to give us the forgiveness of our sins. You came to restore us to relationship with you, and that we don't have to live lives without you, God. That the invitation to be filled with the Spirit is an invitation to draw closer to you, to know you more. So would you open up our eyes, would you open up our ears, and would you soften our hearts to want nothing else but more of you in our lives? This is the work of your spirit. This is a gift of your grace. We can't muster it up. We need your help. So praying on my behalf and on behalf of those in this room, God, would you give us the sweet gift of wanting more of you in our lives and forgive us for where 
We've drawn a line in the sand and saying, God, you can only come this far, and I'm perfectly fine without you. That's not your heart for us. Forgive us when that's our heart for you. So come have your way with our hearts. Have your way with your word. Would you be glorified and magnified in our response? Lord God, a response is not, um, is not just simply understanding this text or, 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 or listening to the sermon. It's, it's, it's us living our lives under your lordship. Living our lives in fellowship with you. And so thank you, God, that there's no one like you. You are kind, you're gracious, you're compassionate to sinners. So thank you, Lord, that that's your invitation to us today is to draw near, to come close. And would you do that through the preaching of your word today? Would you change our hearts? And may we not walk, but may we run to you in response today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, there's often a ton of uh, debate or confusion on what that means. And the question we ask is, well, well, how does that work to be filled with the Spirit of God? If I'm a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. How do I get more? And so what we do is we, we, we focus on, like, substance and not person. Right? So we're like, I have 100% of this substance, the, the Spirit of God inside of me, so how can I get 101%? And we, 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 one, we focus on uh, the substance and not the person, that God is a person who wants to give more of his strength, his power, his voice to you, that as long as he is alive and he is inside of you, he has more to, to lead and guide you with and equip you with. But secondly, we always focus, I think one of the reasons confusion comes with being filled with the Spirit is we focus on this text from our perspective, not on God's perspective. And if we switch the perspective, we get a whole different understanding of this command being filled with the Spirit. And when we flip the perspective of this command being given by the Holy Spirit through Paul to Christians, this is what we see. The command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence inside of us, who is God, the command to be filled with the Spirit is founded on the underlying assumption that God desires to give more of himself to his people. Right? Like if we are commanded to be filled with more of God, the underlying assumption is that God has more of his presence that he wants to give to his people more of a spirit that he wants to give with his people. Anyone, uh, anyone here uh, a big, avid sailor? Anyone sail? Anyone know what sailing is? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, I guess there's a pirate here. Uh, so when I was in junior high, my parents signed me up for the sailing class. It was awesome. It was on the Potomac. It was amazing. It's the last time I think I've ever sailed in my life. But the captain of the boat, if you're out there, and the captain of the boat says, set up your sails and fill your sails, let your sails be filled with wind. But if the wind isn't blowing, you're not going anywhere. If the wind isn't blowing, right, there's no wind to fill the sail. You can, you can stretch that sail as, as high and as wide as you want, but if it's a gale force wind, you probably shouldn't be out there sailing. But if it's a powerful wind, right, all you have to do is set that sail as high and as wide as you can, and that wind will carry you, right, much farther than you could, you could ever go. And um, what I'm getting at with that is this, is if God didn't desire and long to give you more of himself, there wouldn't be anything to be filled with. And so uh, the, the main idea of my sermon this morning, our sermon, my sermon title is essentially this, that God wants to invade our lives. God wants to fill every area of our hearts. God wants to invade our lives. We can get really, oh, fill, oh feel like all this stuff. That's, that's the underlying assumption of being filled with the Spirit of God. 
that the wind of God's spirit is blowing. He's looking for sails to fill. And the question that remains for you and for me today is do we want to sail on the wind and the power of the spirit in our lives or do we want to row in our own strength? Do we want to row in our own strength? And like if you've been rowing and if you've been sailing, sailing is far more effective far more efficient and and more than just rowing it's this mysterious beautiful awe-inspiring interaction with an unseen power that's navigating you right that's navigating this is what sam storm says about uh what it means to be spirit-filled spirit-filling is a metaphor describing our continuous ongoing experience and appropriation of the holy spirit To be filled with the Spirit is to come under progressively more intense and intimate influence of the Holy Spirit. So to be filled is God himself filling us and empowering us with his strength and his wisdom and his peace and his joy. It's God being the wind in our sails to uh, empower us and guide us in our journey to glorify him and advance his kingdom. There's um, (laughs) There's a coffee shop, a chain where there, let me know if you, of course, it's in the, lo, the slogan, but the slogan is this, America, America runs on Duncan, right? This American doesn't run on Duncan, all right? If you do, no, that's great, all right? But the slogan is, uh, uh, America runs on Duncan. And the idea behind that, that phrase is, there is a substance, a drink that we sell, that fills the bodies of Americans, that helps them to be effective and efficient and propel them to be good America and make America run, right? As, as, as Americans get this substance filled in them, they will be effective. They will be able to do what they need to do to be good America. America runs on Duncan is the slogan, I guess, for the United States of America. Um, but, but the church has a slogan. And the slogan of the church, it better be, let it be said of Transit Church, is that the church of Jesus Christ runs on the Holy Spirit, runs on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, runs on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, runs on the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ has to run on the Holy Spirit. And so then that begs the question, well, how do we get filled? I want in. How do I live my life filled with the Spirit of God? So three points of my talk. That was my intro, if you're taking notes. One is this, spirit filling comes through humility before God. Spirit filling comes through humility before God. There's a consistent refrain in God's word that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the person that is proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, if you were to talk about a a proud person, you would describe them, a, a proud person is someone who is full of themselves. They're full of themselves, right? I am so smart. I am so strong. I am so awesome. I want to excel in all these areas so that everyone can see how amazing and strong and wise I am and bow down at my altar and come and worship me. A proud person is full of themselves. And so the first thing we learn here, if you want to be full of the Spirit, you can't be full of yourself. The Lord doesn't tolerate any rivals. If we want God and we want the fullness of His Spirit, then it looks like our heads being on the floor denying ourselves crying out to God that we need help and and being aware of our weaknesses. Stated differently, we can't be pridefully independent. We have to be humbly God-dependent. If we're pridefully independent as followers of Jesus, just give me a book, give me some good counsel, and I'll rock this thing called being a Christian. 
I'll just moonwalk my way through life, advancing the kingdom of God, right? Boom, person saved, boom, person healed. I got this. I got this thing down, right? Why do I need to pray? Why do we need to cry out to God to move in our midst? He's given us the thing. We're just going to go do it in our own strength. That's pride. That's independence, not humble God dependence. And what if God doesn't need our strength? What if God doesn't need our wisdom as much as he needs us to recognize that we need his strength and his wisdom instead of our own? Imagine with me, again, talking about how, how if I have God inside of me, how can I get, get more, right? That, that idea with being filled with the Spirit. Well, I don't really like that language, being filled with the Spirit. Well, too bad. It's in the scriptures, right? <laughs> That's not, it's not some, you know, something charismatic extreme. That's what the scriptures are saying. Is it, oh, I don't like that. Uh, how does that work? What does that mean? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a miss. We're missing the mark. We're missing the perspective. Imagine the grief of a father who has kids, and the father has a ton of wisdom. The father has a ton of provision he wants to give the kids. Uh, the, the father has a ton of strength that he can give his kids. And then his kids go, his kids' response to their relationship with the father is, I already got a dad. I don't need to talk to him. I don't need his counsel. I don't need his provision. I don't need his help. That's pride, right? That's independence. Yes, positionally, I want the position. I don't want the person. Positionally, I want to be adopted. I don't want to posture myself in humility before God. Oh, I'm a child of God. Don't need God. Don't need his strength. I got this thing covered. I'm in Christ. Amen. Let's, let's talk about our position. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. But God has brought us near. The Father has so much more that he wants to give us. And if we're full of ourselves, we won't be full of the Spirit. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Do you guys catch that? Isn't that a beautiful verse? I love it because it says to and fro, right? Isn't that cool? Cool line, right? So poetic. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards them. And so what we learn about the heart of God is he's searching. He's, he's looking. He's not looking for people who are already strong. He's looking for people where he can manifest his strength through them so that he gets the glory in their lives. He's looking for a church. Let's talk corporate application. He's looking for a church where we're going to be contending in prayer, humbling ourselves and saying, God, we want you to be glorified. We want your kingdom to come. And we can't do this unless you move by your spirit in our midst. We need you, God. And, and, and then if God moves and people come to faith and the kingdom advances, guess who, guess who gets the glory? God does, not us. God is searching actively for people that he can show his strength from, his strong, his strong support, his strong support. And you might be saying, maybe I'm triggering some of you guys, some of you ladies, saying, what's all this talk about weakness, right? What's all this talk about childlike faith or, or immaturity? We need to mature. We need to be men. We just buckle down and we get the job done. End of discussion, right? Like, this is offensive. Like, should I just, like, should I not tie my shoes before church? And say, God, would you come help me tie my shoes? No. If you're an adult, there's, it's like, you need to tie your own shoes. That's not what I'm talking about, right? But often, isn't that our, our mindset, right? Oh, we need to toughen up. We just need to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just go do this. And of course, the scriptures encourage us, we're going to read about this in a little bit, to mature and to grow up emotionally, spiritually, physically, that there are things I did as a seven-year-old that I shouldn't be doing as a 37-year-old, 
right? That God expects us to, to have wisdom. But if that is your mindset where you do not like this talk of dependency and God, the Holy Spirit, filling you and becoming your strength in your weakness, let me respond with two questions. Here's the two questions I want to respond to that. Are you right now, if, you've, if, you, if you have this idea that you don't need more of God and you don't need his help in your life, let me ask you this question. Are you actively seeking to advance the kingdom of God in your life right now? Are you actively seeking to share your faith with those around you? Are you? Are, are we, if somebody flares up and manifests something unseen that is dark in front of you, uh, it humbles you immediately. And you go, God, we need help, which has happened to us in ministry, right? A lot. It's great. Kingdom of God coming in power. But when you and I begin to step into God's territory, when we get on God's plan, when we get on his calendar and God invites us to do things that we think are impossible, then it's beautiful because all of a sudden we need, oh my gosh, we need God. We need God. The, the, there are, there's so much brokenness. There's so many people who are hurting, who are lost, who are looking for Jesus. And we have to understand that we can't be content with where we're at, but we need God to move to reach these people through a yielded church, that we can't do this in our own strength. Sure, we can get some minimal results. We want God-sized results. And so if that is your response, you don't need God, well, then my question would be, are you actively seeking to advance the kingdom of God to those around you? And if you are, you'd realize, holy moly, I need God. I need his help. And then the second thing would be this. If you are, if in your heart, you don't want to rely on God's strength and you want to just posture and flex and be a Rambo Christian, um, if you hit all of your life's goals and metrics and, and you rock it, at the end of your life, who gets all the glory? Who gets all the credit? We are to live for the glory of God. That At the end of our lives, it's all glory belongs to God. But if it's all my strength, if it's all my wisdom, then I get to get all the credit, not God. And Colossians 1, 28 through 29 says this, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. So you, one, we see the language of maturity in Christ, but verse 29 he says, for this I toil, that Paul's working hard. He's struggling. He's struggling with all of God's energy that he powerfully works within me. And what Paul is saying is I gave gospel ministry to the ends of the earth. Everything I had, I threw my entire life at it. And if you were to look at my life and ask the apostle Paul, how in the world did you change the landscape of human history? Paul's response would be, Paul runs on Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul ran on the power of the Holy Spirit in his weakness. If you go read 2 Corinthians 12, which I was going to quote, but too much time, is that in my weakness, then I am strong because once I understand my need for God, I cry out to God and in comes God's spirit to say, I want to show my strong support to those in need. And so if you want more of God and you want to be filled with his presence, it's not, it's not first and foremost more discipline, it's more desperation. You and I need to get more desperate for God. You and I need to be aware of the fact that we need God's help. And, and when we do, we cry out for help, and then we see God begin to fill our lives in things that are small, maybe things at home, around the house, financial stuff, stuff with the family or roommates, stuff at work, stuff in, in, in the church, or just your walk with God. As we begin to cry out for, for help in desperation, God begins to fill those spaces um, in our lives. So I got to keep going here. Two, the second thing we see, we see is spirit filling comes through hunger and thirst for God. Spirit filling comes through hunger and thirst for God. Verse 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, as I was uh, uh, <laughs> preparing for this sermon and wrestling with this text, I was asking myself, how in the world is not getting plastered through alcohol contrasted to being filled with the Spirit? 
Like you would think, hey, stop getting drunk off of wine and instead drink matcha tea, right? Like got antioxidants, got caffeine, purified water. That would be a one-to-one correlation. But we see there's a conjunction, but, and it's contrasted, put off this and put on this. It's linked somehow. How in the world is that linked? And then we'd ask a question to help us narrow it down. Well, when are we tempted most to get drunk? When are we tempted most to get high? When are we tempted most to, to do that? And the simple answer is this, when we're looking for heaven on earth. When we're looking for heaven on earth. The reason you and I uh, long for or search for uh, uh, alcohol is often when we're stressed, we're in pain, we're lonely, we're depressed. And the idea is let me fill my body with this substance. And once my body is filled with this substance, the side effect will be bliss, will be peace, will be rest, will be joy, will be comfort, will be love, will be hope. And the invitation of our text today to be filled with the spirit and not drunk and not drunk, filled with other spirits, is stop trying to find heaven at the end of a bottle of Jim Bean when heaven is already here. Stop trying to find heaven there. You can't find heaven there. And if we remember Ephesians 2, what we learned about, as Paul says, is that we are the temple of God, that God uh, dwells inside his church. God the Holy Spirit fills us. We are the temple of God. I was listening to N.T. Wright on a podcast this week, and he talked about how we as Christians, and rightfully so, we only think about heaven as future. We only think about heaven in regards to what is to come, and we also need to emphasize that heaven has already come. Heaven has already invaded our hearts. The temple is that sacred space where heaven and earth meet. We, you, spirit-filled church, we're, we're a walking temple. God, glory, his presence fills us. Heaven has come. Heaven has come here. And, and that's the implication is heaven, if heaven is here, God's presence is heaven, and we got the, 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 the deposit that's coming of our inheritance, God's presence. If God's presence is heaven, then we don't have to look out there for heaven when we can draw from God in here relationally. The invitation is to stop drinking from the bottom shelf and start drinking from the top shelf where the rivers of living water flow from the throne of grace to our hearts to quench our existential thirst for God. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in case there was any confusion, John puts a footnote. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. And, and I love this Psalm, Psalm 42, one through two. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And what we see here is that all of humanity has this existential thirst and hunger for God. And, and sin, and one way to look at sin is us going from God to other things to fill, to quench our thirst and realizing that that's drinking salt water. It's drinking from broken wells. It doesn't ultimately satisfy our longing. And what Jesus came to do was to restore us back to God. And, and that's the invitation is with your existential thirst for God, come to Jesus and he will actually give you what your heart is longing for. He's the only, he has a monopoly on perfect peace. He has a monopoly on lasting, abiding joy. It can only be found in him relationally in his presence. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence there is fullness 
of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. You might be saying, okay, I see that Jesus came to satisfy our thirst, that he promised to be our comforter, our peace, our joy, our strength, that we can quench our thirst on him. And, and, and as, we, as we taste and see that God's good, good praise will, will come, we'll say he's better. But, but that's not where I'm at right now. That doesn't necessarily describe my life. Um, I believe that, but why am I not experiencing that in my life? And, I, and what I want to say is this, is, is, is being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that you're moonwalking all the time. You're not going to go through rough seasons, going to go through dry seasons, right? It doesn't, doesn't mean that. But here's what I want to ask in regards to this application point is um, here's what I want to say, is that being filled with the Spirit doesn't happen by accident. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't happen by accident. Often our attitude to being filled with the Spirit, and I see this in my own life, is, oh, God, would you just come and fill me? And that's a great place to start. Pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Um, maybe a better prayer would be, God, give me thirst and hunger for you. Give me passion for you. Right, that would be a great prayer to pray as well. But uh, imagine if I said right now to you, um, hey, I'm thirsty. Would someone go get me something to drink? And then um, you would come and, and put the water here at the table. I said, no, 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 I, I'm thirsty. I, I want someone to come and give me water to drink. And then you would hold the water up to my mouth. And I'd say, no, I'm thirsty. Someone give me water to drink. And then you would open my mouth. I'd say, open my mouth, open my mouth. And then I'd say, hey, I'm thirsty. Someone give me water to drink. And then you pour the water in my mouth. And then I, you have to close my, like, my mouth. Am I truly thirsty at that point? Like, you ever seen someone thirsty? Like, someone who's thirsty looks like something. Like, it's, it, was like, it was like 150 degrees the past three days. I took my kids putt-putt at, like, 11 a.m., and we were all, like, just baked. All of them were like, water, oh, my gosh. And, and uh, what I did was to quench my thirst. I made a beeline to Pete's Coffee, and I got myself a nice cold brew. It was amazing, right? But thirst looks like something. When you know, like, after, uh, like, a soccer game or yard work, when it's 150 degrees and 150% humidity, that you, you run to the faucet. You run to that Gatorade. You dunk that cooler over your head because you're just so thirsty. Thirst looks like something. And what we have to ask today of our own hearts is if I don't have thirst for God, where am I quenching my thirst elsewhere? If, I'm, if that doesn't, if desperation, and this, this convicts me, if desperation isn't in my my lungs, my bones, my heart, then, then where am I going? Why is my heart so apathetic? We gotta, we gotta ask these questions. I'm reading a great book, a, 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 an older book, but a great book that the Lord led me to uh, read in this season called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Simbola. And he says this, God will, mani mani uh, God will manifest himself in direct proportion to our passion for him. It's a hard word, right? It's like, oh, we God, would you fill me? But would you just open my mouth and pour the water in and then close my mouth and... Like, that's, that's not actually thirst. Thirst looks like something. Thirst looks like waking up in the morning. Thirst looks like, even in the rearview mirror, if you haven't really had a vibrant relationship with God, it's taking God at his word and saying, I'm coming after you, God. I'm thirsty. I can't do life like this anymore. I can't. I'm waking up early. I'm getting rid of the, the distractions, and I'm running full sprint. until, until it's, 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 I'm wrestling with you until you bless, bless me. Jacob wrestling with God. That's what hunger looks like. I'm getting under the faucet. I'm coming after you. 
God desires to be sought after. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Not only do we have to have hunger for God, we also have the faith that he actually will quench our thirst. He will be ultimately more satisfying than what we're chasing after. And it's then and only then that we say that there's no one like you, God, and you're better that the, 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 the pull of other, of other sins, of other thirst, lessens in our life. The psalmist encourages us, taste and see that God is good. Quench your thirst on God today. And thirst looks like something. So here's my application. Here's before specific couple, couple one-liners before we go to the next sermon is begin to ask God for the precious gift of hunger for him again. If you're here, you're lukewarm, you're apathetic, repent Ask God's forgiveness. There's, like, that's a sin. Go read Revelation 3 about what Jesus talks about being lukewarm and say, God, would you give me that grace? Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal what are some of the causes of that? And would you now, and, and, then, and then repentance actually looks like something, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so then what are we gonna do this coming week to chase after God and to get under the faucet? I'm gonna stop drinking from these broken cisterns. I'm gonna drink from the fountains of living water again. And that looks like something, which leads me to our next point. And our last point, spirit filling comes through hospitality to God. And you might be asking, what in the world does that mean? How is that linked to being filled with the spirit? Well, when you're hosting someone in your house and they're going to fill your house or take up space in your house, what do you do? In an instant, you go to work to create space for them to dwell in your midst. You honor the person that is coming to fill the space, to fill your house. You honor them by making room for them, by clearing out the clutter in your life. And so the question that remains for you and for me is if we are the temple of God and God dwells inside of us, are we seeking to honor God's presence and be good hosts of his presence? We want God to fill us, right? And by filling, we mean we mean every area of my heart. There is no room in my heart that's off limits, but often in our hearts where we have relegated God is to the closet beneath the stairs where we keep all the old paint cans. And, and, and everything else, materialism, greed, lust, just busyness, just the narcotic of, of busyness and, and packed schedules and everything else, all these other idols get, get the premium spot, get the living room, get the master bedroom, but God in our lives, in our hearts is tucked away. Except bring him out on Sunday, tucked away in the, the closet beneath the stairs. We have to be good hosts for God. And by being good hosts, meaning we clear out the clutter and we enthrone him on the hearts of our life, and we give him full access. God, there is not a room that's off limits for you to fill. Would you come and fill? This is what, I read this last night after my sermon. I was just, I'm just reading through Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and I had to add this uh, to my sermon. I wasn't reading it for sermon quotes, but the book was so good. I highly encourage you to go grab it and read it. This is from, from Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire again. Jim Simbola says this, the first step in any spiritual awakening is demolition. We cannot make headway in seeking God without first tearing down the accumulated junk in our souls. Well, I love this last line. Anyone, anytime people get hungry to truly know the Lord, the Holy Spirit quickly puts a shovel and a broom into their hands. Isn't that amazing? Like we have to tear down idols. We have to tear down idols. We have to clear out the clutter, clean it out of our lives and make space for God. If we wanna be filled with God, we need to be good hosts and make space for him in our hearts. Now, how is that linked to our text? How do we honor God by showing him hospitality in our hearts? Well, verse 19 says this, verse 19 through 20. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So immediately on the other end of the command to be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, sing. 
open up your mouth and sing to God. We're commanded to praise God. We're commanded to sing to God. I did a, a sermon series. It's one of my favorite top, like, three sermon series of all time to preach through called The Power of Praise last January, uh, where you can go find, um, if you're ever curious about this topic, which is a five-week sermon series, I think it will be worth your time. I encourage you to go listen to that. Um, side note. But we're commanded, commanded here to praise God, and what we see is we're commanded what to sing. We're commanded to sing psalms. That's uh, a scripture back to God. The psalms, like, like uh, uh, Caleb's call to worship uh, today, was, was beautiful about how we get to uh, join David and his joy in God. Uh, those are songs that are literally verbatim, almost text of scripture, hymns. Uh, those are uh, songs that are, are birthed out of the pages of scripture of who God is and, and what he's done for us. And therefore, because of who God has revealed himself to be, we will praise him for that. And then spiritual songs, some scholars uh, believe that um, as you begin to corporately sing or, or just sing in private, that the Holy Spirit will give a new melody, give you a new song in the moment. And that would be a spiritual song. We're commanded when to sing. We see that um, it's not sing one song on a Sunday morning. We see that it's singing and making melody to God with your heart. That I-N-G after singing and making melody implies continuous action, that this doesn't just stop. This is something that we continually embody. Um, Where to sing? We are to sing corporately when we gather whether on Sunday service in the presence of other believers or in community groups. A lot of our community groups are doing prayer and worship nights, which is amazing. Um, uh, Where to sing, gather big, you and God, or or, or God's people gather together. We're commanded how to sing. This is important here, how to sing. We're commanded to sing to the Lord with our, not with our lips, but with our heart, right? That that true praise. And you guys know the difference between when you sing to God with your lips and when you sing, sing to him from your heart. Right? And so we're commanded out of a redeemed heart, what God has done, reflecting on his goodness and his kindness to the likes of us, it wells up in us from that redeemed heart, overflows into praise. That was, that's what C.S. Lewis says, is that praise is inner joy being made audible. So if I were to rephrase verses 19 through 20 about being filled with the Spirit, is essentially, I feel like what Paul is saying is make your life a musical before God. Every area, verses 19, verses, verse 20 He even goes further. After praising and singing, he goes further, and he says this. Look at verse 20. Give thanks always to God. Give thanks always to God and for everything to God. In everything, give thanks. So always you're keeping constant close communion with God with a heart posture of gratitude, reminding yourself of of God's grace to you that anything good on this side of eternity is is, is what you don't deserve and God is still giving it to you. You're keeping constant close communion and you're keeping Christ preeminent in your heart. Always give thanks for everything. And the invitation to be filled with the Spirit is an invitation to fall in love with God. It's an invitation to fall in love with God to get the roots of your heart deeper into God's heart and to always be thinking of God, always to be talking of God, always to be singing to God. You might be asking, okay, well, that's great. I agree with all that. Um, How does praise and thanksgiving create space and room for the Holy Spirit in our our hearts? What does this have to do with hospitality and hosting God's presence in our hearts? Well, unlike any, I think, any of the other spiritual disciplines, Praise rearranges the furniture of our hearts to welcome God's presence more efficiently, more effectively, more quickly. That praise, when we hone in for for 30 minutes or an hour or just even 10 minutes, there's something laser-like of this full embodied pursuit of God and we're rearranging the furniture and we're making space for God. We're being good hosts. We're saying, God, this is all about you. 
uh, with my mouth, I'm going to sing your praises. With my heart, with my hands, with my eyes, with my, with my ears, I'm going to pursue you, God. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I'm going to remember the wondrous deeds of my God, what he's done for us, how he's raised me out of death and brought me into new life at great cost to his son. It reorients our hearts. The psalmist says that praise, the Lord uh, inhabits the praise of his people. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people because the Lord goes where he's welcomed and where he's wanted. And what praise does when we corporately gather here, where we're crying out the redeem of God is saying, God, take center stage in my heart, take center stage in our lives, take center stage in our church. You are wanted here. You are wanted here. You are wanted here. That's what praise does. Saying, God, come and be my God. As I draw near to you, you, we take it on your word that you will draw near to us and you will give us more of yourself. And what corporate prayer does, I want to, uh, this thought came to mind last night as I was preparing is, a lot of us, if you're like me on a Sunday morning, um, you're t- well, if there's a lot of things that I'm thinking through as a lead pastor on Sunday morning, but when you come into worship, imagine that your love for God is just this small little ember, right? It's not even necessarily a flame, it's just a coal that's kind of waning in its heat. And what happens is, is as we begin to praise and in song make melody to the Lord in our hearts collectively, all of a sudden what we're doing is we're, we're fanning that affection into flame. That little ember is growing into a flame, and it's growing into, a, into an inferno. And as, as I'm hearing you guys sing to God, and I know some of your stories, and I know what God has saved you out of, what he's done in your life, or know pastorally the, 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 the hard things you're walking through, and yet you're, you're praising him. It calls my soul. Look at what God's doing in their life. And all of a sudden, collectively, the little flame, the little ember, we're fanning into an inferno, into a fire in our hearts of affection and attention to God. We're shifting, shifting our affection and attention off of idols, and in our hearts, we're creating space for God by fixing our attention and our affection upon God. This is the importance of praise. It's not emotionalism. It's our chief end. It's not emotionalism. It's the very reason we exist. John Piper is famous for saying the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever, by enjoying his presence, enjoying slowing down and praying, enjoying slowing down and singing. Singing isn't the warm-up. For the sermon. It's the very reason you and I exist to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. And I'll share this last illustration and then call up the band. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. Often this spiritual discipline, this practice in our lives of singing out loud to God and making melody in our hearts and worshiping him is hard for some of us. Um, we're naturally more introverted. We naturally more like to, you know, uh, spend our time with God, just reading our Bibles, journaling, um, so on and so forth. And that's fine. We have different dispositions. But let me just encourage you in this, is that the prayer isn't make melody to the Lord in your heart unless you don't feel like it, unless it doesn't necessarily fit your disposition, right? And, I, and I've heard this said uh, by someone outside, outside the church a while back about how they don't like to sing Christian songs because they're cheesy, uh, and there's a sense of pride, and there's a sense of dignity that I'm not going to condescend and, and sing these songs because these songs are um, beneath me, right? I think, I think if we're honest with ourselves, um, that maybe resonates with some people in this room, that, ah, oh, singing is cheesy, 
uh, I'm not really into that. It's, 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 it's a public display of affection, or even if in my private devotional life, I don't do that. It's, maybe it's hard for us, but maybe it's also rooted in pride. Well, imagine with me that, that you went to a brewery, and, uh, man, you just were really thirsting for some, uh, maybe you're into, like, lagers, okay? And you go to this brewery, and all they sell is IPAs. You didn't know that. And you go to this brewery, and they're like, hey, if you want to get filled with this substance, you have to drink an IPA, where you're like, I don't drink IPAs. I don't like people that drink IPAs. I don't understand how you could ever like that. that that's beneath me. And then the owner would be like, okay, great. Then guess what? You're not, getting filled with, you're not getting filled with that substance. And what we see, the scripture says, the Holy Spirit could have inspired a lot of things. There's a lot of ways to be filled with the Spirit. But immediately, one of the first things that God encourages his people to, in order to be filled with the Spirit, he says, open your mouth and sing to me. And often, how often do we just pray and we say, God, fill me. And God's saying, start singing to me from your heart and see what happens. What if, what if, here's my wager to us before we move on. And I'll conclude. Um, and so, band, you can come on up. Um, here's my wager. For seven days, for seven days, turn off your podcasts, turn off any other secular music, turn off the news, and from morning to night, apply what we just talked about to your life. This means nothing if we don't apply it to our lives, this sermon text to our lives. And we are commanded to be singing and making melody to the Lord in our hearts, giving thanks to him in all circumstances, always and in everything. And so for seven days from start to finish, find some worship tracks that fit your taste, that help you worship the Lord. And on your, when you wake up, before you dive into your uh, Bible reading plan for 10 minutes, get on your face, play music, and sing to God. Not listen. Don't just listen. We're not commanded just to listen to worship music. We're commanded to open up our mouths and praise God. So sing to God on your commute to work. Sing to God. At work, at your desk, maybe you can do some waymaker under your breath. I don't know about that. But on your commute home, before bed, start singing. Incorporate this. Yes, let's pray. God, give us hunger. God, show me in my life where I'm quenching my thirst on other things. Yes, God, fill me with your spirit. Give me more of yourself. And God is saying, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on your heart. I'm waiting for you to create space. I'm waiting to hear your song. I'm waiting to hear your gratitude. I'm waiting to, hear, to see your pursuit of me. I would love to create space. And if you do that for seven days, oh my goodness, what if all of us are singing for seven days to God from our hearts? You think, I mean, come on. Imagine a faith like that. Imagine what would happen to us. Imagine the spirit drawing near, filling us as we're not just saying, oh God, I want this encounter, this experience with you. God, I just, I just love you. And I wanna sing to you. And I wanna thank you for what you've done, for all that you are. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is mine in Christ Jesus. So let's sing to him. Let's sing this week. And if you do that, come and talk to me. And if seven days, if you commit to this morning, afternoon, and evening to singing, and if you do not see a change in your passion, your thirst, your delight in God, um, money back guaranteed. We'll erase, the, we'll erase the sermon off of the podcast, all right? Money back guaranteed. All right, so that's my wager to you. Isaiah 55, one through three, we're gonna respond by taking communion. If you're here today, a follower of the Lord Jesus, we encourage you to take communion with us. Communion elements are in the hallway. Isaiah 55, one through three, we see God's heart. If you haven't heard anything I've said today, listen to this. This is God's heart for his people. 
his thirsty people, his hungry people, his wayward people, his people who are getting drunk, his people who are getting high, his people who are addicted to pornography, his people who are going everywhere else to find heaven on earth. This is God's invitation. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's already paid for. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which doesn't satisfy? It doesn't satisfy those things we're chasing after. God says, I satisfy. I'm better. Come to me. Listen diligently to me, says the Lord, and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that you are so much better than everything we chase after in our lives, God. Oh Holy Spirit, show us this morning. Help us to believe it, Lord God. If we don't believe it, if we don't have faith that you're better, we're still going to be chasing after idols and be miserable. You don't, we don't have to stay there. And Lord, if it's our sin, we say, oh, we don't belong. We don't get to come close. Jesus, communion, what we're celebrating today is that you've been a great host to us. You prepared the table. You made space for us. Your broken body, your shed blood on the cross, the, the table fellowship, you inviting us, say, come and feast with me. You can come as you are. The only thing that qualifies you for that meal is recognition that you're a sinner and you're in need of that meal. And so, Lord, may we, may we not let sin hold us back. May we not let condemnation or regrets hold us back. May we see your heart that you're telling us to come to receive fresh pardon for sin, to receive peace where there's anxiety, comfort where there's sorrow and tears, joy where there's depression. You have so much more, God. Would you do that today? Would you be glorified in how we respond today in our hearts to you? Not in external acts of righteousness, but in, heart, in our hearts being repentant to you, saying, God, we want more of you. Let it be said, Lord God. Let it be said of this house, Lord God, that our cry was consistently, God, fill us. We want more of you because you're better than anything else this world has to offer. And all God's people said, amen.